Don't worry, I got it. Welcome to Go Additive. Too loud? Where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. That's right. Welcome. Gotta love it. You know, that song slaps. It totally does. I don't know. I like it. I like it. I I'm, wish our YouTubers could watch it. It's true. They they might catch a little teensy bit of it occasionally. Yeah, but occasionally, but that would be a mistake because we usually clip it out. It's just usually doesn't even get real in, nice. in the audio. But uh, hey, it's Valentine's Day. February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks. You doing anything nice? Um, Taking the old lady out to dinner? Well, we're just going to spend some time together, I think. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be good. Hey, can I tell Keep you it something? simple. Yeah. Uh, I did as a single fella. Sure. I, uh, I bought myself a couple things. Okay. Um, one, I told you about, I got a mini truck. Mm hmm. Yeah. I've been rebuilding the engine. I'm. Uh, well, I don't want to say I'm an engine builder quite yet, but yeah, it's pretty much fully assembled. Nice. Painted Ford blue. Looks wow. real nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if it runs. I'll, I'll let you guys, yeah. I'll let you all know if it runs. Like the main engine casting you painted? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. Got it all machined. Everything needed overboard. That's awesome. And ground. So I, I probably spent way more than it's worth. This little four cylinder that makes a hundred horsepower. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but. I got the truck basically for free. So that's coming up soon. Cool. Uh, I want to be accountable for it. That's why I'm mentioning okay. it here. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm excited to see you drive that thing to the office. Oh, yeah. I will. It's got a sweet camper shell on it. It's nice. I don't it's know about so that, nice. but. Oh, it looks good. All right. Cool. You'll see. Cool. Streamline butterfly. <laughs> um, the other thing is I bought a mountain bike. Oh, it's, really? It's an enduro bike. Have you heard of this? No. This enduro racing. It's kind of a new thing. It's no. a new genre. In mountain biking? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It's like a downhill mountain bike, mm -hmm. and it's definitely faster than any downhill mountain bike I've ever had because the bikes I had were kind of old tech. They had 26-inch wheels, um, just old, old yeah. stuff. Bikes, the geometry has come a long way. Um, anyway, I've been kind of looking for parts to upgrade it, and I've put some carbon pieces on it and stuff like that. And as I was looking for this, it was funny because it popped up on my LinkedIn, this um, this bike stem. Okay. And this is an additively manufactured bike stem. I'm not going to buy it. It's too expensive. Oh, this is starting to sound a little familiar. For the British folks, it's 500 quid. <laughs> 500 quid, nice. <laughs> it's too expensive. Um, anyway, it, it kind of led me down this path, and we'll get into it, but... Should we segue into it right now? Segue into, what? segue into what? I'm going to go into this episode. Okay. So I went down this path and it reminded me of the bike stem that broke in the Olympics. That's that's where I think my mind went. Yeah. So I forgot what episode. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. We're re we, we would be reaching into the archives. That's summer 2020. So I don't know. That's probably Gosh, your episode. Good. Well, it's the it was the Olympics, I right? Know. I, know. I don't know. That's probably it episode It was a weird Olympics though. 20-ish? It was the pandemic Olympics. Yeah. And which actually, if you recall, was a big part of this story or it became a big part of this story. So we didn't do a follow-up episode, but I remember when we talked about this stem that ended up breaking, it was in one of those, um, what do they call the, the racing, the board track? It's board track racing, isn't it? Velo track? Is that right? It's a banked, it's a banked oval yeah. track. What do they call that? A velo something i don't know but it's a fixed gear bicycle it's mm -hmm. it looks similar to a road bike it's super aerodynamic very very lightweight but i didn't understand like really the stresses that happened to these bikes and bike frames because of how strong these athletes are they yeah. are cranking yeah. on that thing once you're at speed you're not putting as much force on everything but their starts i did some reading okay the, the way they start is 
they train to really like torque and pull on this bike. Yeah. And the way the handlebars are shaped are this aerodynamic shape. And it's kind of creates this large moment, right? From the handle okay. to the stem. Okay. And everything's been lightweighted, right? And they've used sure. F- FEA analysis. They've figured out kind of like the minimum loads. So I went down the rabbit hole and I found an article on one of our trusted AM websites uh, called metalam.com. Okay. And it was great. It's the title of this article is called Anatomy of an AM Part Failure, Lessons for Managers, Designers, and Producers from 2021's Olympic Bike Crash. Okay. So yeah, this happened in 2021. That Olympic got, that, that Olympic Games got delayed, right? It was the 2020, yes. It was oh, okay. the 2020 Olympics. That makes sense. As you were talking in the back of my head, I was not practicing active listening very well. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, wasn't that delayed? So anyway. It was. So we had an episode where we, it had just happened and we were kind of brainstorming maybe some fallout from it and maybe some reasons leading up to it, right? How's, yeah, how's this make AM look yeah. Or 3D printing yeah, yeah. look to the general public. Right. Because the news broke and it was like, this was a, a 3D printed part failure. Sure, sure. And we're just like, oh, shoot. Like, right. what machine was it on? Remember? Both of us asked that. Like, And me, I'm like digging. Like, what machine was it on? Like, uh-huh. I did all the research. I figured out what machine it was on. And as it turns out, it wasn't a machine problem. So... I want you all to look this article up because this is it's a relatively brief summary of a 170 page report. Okay. So if you're a real nerd and you have some spare time, go ahead and read the full 170 page report. That's pretty comprehensive. And it goes through the processes of the design and failure and what led to the failure of this part. I'll just tell you right now, um, they made a 30 millimeter if I recall correctly, which, you know, sometimes I mess up, but they made a 30 millimeter change on the length of this guy's stem. Okay. The reason they did it is because on his starts, the way they're trained to start, his knee was just bumping the handlebars. Okay. And it was affecting his start speed. Okay. They tweaked it. They bumped it out 30 millimeters and they kept kind of all the old data that they'd used mm. on the old part. Mm-hmm. They didn't update everything. Oh. So the FEA analysis didn't account for it. They did do a material change also, I believe, but I don't know that that necessarily had as much to do with it. Um, but I went through this article and essentially came down to the larger moment yeah. that was created on that part. It was a, the, the actual part that failed was a titanium part, right? No, it's, uh, I believe it's, it may be an AM only material. Was it an aluminum? You think it would be aluminum no, or titanium? It's not aluminum. Really? This it's funny because this person who wrote the article did exactly what we did. Yeah. Um, and basically says, sorry for thinking this way. Of course, I was utterly wrong. I was wrong to jump to conclusions without knowing the facts. That's like how well, one of before these before I admit to being wrong, I have to go back and review. I was definitely wrong. I can admit it because I know for sure I was like, I think what machine was this on? What technology was used? Oh, yeah, it's definitely their fault. So here's a scenario where when this happens at home and it's like there's a disagreement or there's something up in question from a year plus ago. I have no memory of it. So all I can do is try to place myself there and think, what would I have been saying? Oh, my gosh. You just (laughs) that happens all the time. And with, I think with a memory like yours for you to do something like that blows my mind. I think I would have talked about the analysis side. I think but that's you have, what you have like the retroactive bias, though, because like you're going to think that you're smarter now because you are because you have. I hope so. What is it? Confirmation bias? What is it like? Like, you after, know, the result. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where my mind would have gone is the analysis side. So it's, we got to roll the tapes. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to just hurry and brush through here and find the uh So who authored this report? I'll tell you. I'm peppering you with questions. Just that I'm not, stacking that them. That I'm not prepared for. Golly. And I got to say, this is a brief summary only compared to the 170-page yeah. document. I, I'm really interested this, in that. This is a long article. And uh, the author was Robin <laughs> Weston. And what's their role, his role... 
in all of this? Like Auto Nami Limited in is the it UK. Third party? I just wonder like what the origin story is of this report. Who was interested in this and why was it publicly released? That's what I'm curious about. Well, I mean, a lot of people's, I, I believe a lot of the Olympics is taxpayer money. So oh. a lot of these results are shared oh, okay. freely. Interesting. Um, we we pay for a lot of that. So it just seems like it re it would reveal quite a bit about the work that went into the design of it and the manufacturing of it. And a lot of that could be considered proprietary by the team. So I don't know. I'm just curious. Can I read the last thoughts? Sure. So this is the very end of the article. And the last thoughts are if there's a lesson here. It is to continue questioning throughout the progress of each project, particularly at inflection points, such as change of strategy. So the pandemic was also partly to blame in this whole report. And I will say this for those that aren't going to go look this up. There was very good data taken carefully by the people who manufactured the part. Mm -hmm. So there was no, they did everything right. They did all that they could. Um, You're talking about like tensile bars and things like that? Yes, okay. exactly. So when looking at the images of the original and modified handlebars in the report, there's an obvious visual difference. A clue? I have no idea if the two designs ever sat side by side in the workshop. Had they, I'm sure it would have raised the question, are they still okay? Yeah. Relying on numbers when the mathematical model is incorrect will not give the correct answer, but it's also much harder to see the difference in numbers than real life parts. Hence, a blend of data and eyeballs is perhaps a more prudent approach. Metal AM and its widening adoption will provide many more companies with the opportunity to benefit from its valuable attributes. However, the challenge of understanding its performance envelope and how to apply it safely, sorry about that, it's okay. and to the best effect demands respect. Um, AM right. is not magic, a magic bullet or a quick fix. One can't just throw parts onto the machine and expect to get the best results, which we, yeah. we run into that That's every interesting. day. So... You know, it's kind of uh, honing in on the idea that although design changes are more easily made, make sure your ducks in, are in a row. You know, there's more to it than just changing the design and, and running with it. Yeah. And I'm guilty of having done this, you know, sure. in, in past Especially if you're projects. up against deadlines and you, your decision-making process starts to deteriorate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it, I just thought it was interesting that my new mountain bike kind of led me down yeah, this path totally. to find this part. And then, um, you know, there's something to be said about the actual stem that I found too, mm -hmm. by the way. So if you're interested in the Olympic stuff, definitely look that article up again. It's called the anatomy of a part and we can, it's on metal we can throw a link in there. Yeah. yeah we can throw we'll throw a link there. to it, but the part, the printed part, the printed stem I looked more into the company. The company's called Mythos. Um, the, the part's called Elix, and it's this metal AM printed stem. They use NAM only metal, and I do remember the metal on this one. It's it's an aluminum magnesium hybrid. Um, that's pretty interesting. That's probably the standard printed aluminum. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Aluminum. It's Good an aluminum know. silicon magnesium alloy. That's like yes. your standard... So this is a little bit like, hey, this is aircraft grade aluminum. It's a little bit of that, that yeah. you're, you're experiencing there. Yeah, and that's where it's primarily used right now is in aerospace. Sure, but what I'm saying is, yes, it, we it's know a nice marketing. It's a marketing thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this stem, I it's funny because you know I'm looking at it through the lens of a 3D printer or a printhead, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm just thinking, how do they make money? How does this bike, because it's not like Specialized or Trek or one of these big OEM bike yeah. brands yeah. that's investing in AM and making metal AM parts. It's just this one-off brand. And I looked at their website. They have a few printed components. And I'm like, okay, what's, who bought the, who bought the machine? Mm -hmm. Who owns the machine? And what's the real project? Because this just seems like a side business. They may not own the machine, although it would be hard to commercialize a product at that price point, $500 retail. Um, if you are not doing the manufacturing in-house, that would be really difficult. Well, and what's the benefit that trickles down to the customer? Depends on the customer. The benefits of AM, I feel like, are mostly in like 
quick adaptation of of new or or say this 30 millimeter stem change whatever like now we can change geometries on the fly we can make one-offs whatever yeah there's a value there to whoever's manufacturing it mm-hmm. but to the customer they don't care they don't care like they you care in most ultimately, cases they don't care yeah you, you you probably have an offset in mind some geometry and you just purchase that geometry but what's the benefit and weight savings there's lighter stems on the market Hmm. There's the the carbon stems. Yeah, but and then are they more expensive? No, yeah. they're cheaper. So, yeah, so I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's just interesting because it doesn't offer a ton of value other than like, oh, this is a really sexy part. Which we've talked bike. about at length. You know, if if that's your if that's your business model and if that's the primary benefit that you're touting for your products, then it's not the strongest uh, pitch for sure. Yeah. So I, I don't know the bike, the bike theme. Cool. I thought was kind of interesting. I'm glad we were able to revisit that and get some closure there. Yeah. That's really why I liked it. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh dude, I remember talking about this. So I was excited about it. All right, cool. Uh, recently there were some additive parts though, that were used intelligently Uh in something that we probably, most of us consumed on Sunday. The Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So, uh, for about four or five years, Riddell has been making, um, the inserts on some of these new helmets, like the padding. Yep. Yeah, that's and right. And a lot of those are, were in the game. They're in the big that's awesome. game. Can we say Super Bowl or do we have to say the big game? <laughs> I think we can say Super Bowl. <laughs> Bleep it out. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, there, there's a report. This is kind of cool. I always like when people release the reports and the data, the NFL has actually been releasing like a list of top helmet manufacturers mm-hmm. and these additively printed helmets, they're, um, they're made with carbon 3d DLP yeah. technology. Right. And they have probably a few more elastomers than the Stratasys competitive system, the origin one. Well, it's, it's kind of different because the carbon material portfolio is, is their material portfolio. On the Stratus side, it's third-party materials, so it depends on you. You want to compare apples to apples, I think. So, what are you saying? You saying I'm sliding the Origin one? Because I, uh, I do, maybe. I do think at this point in time, there's less than a handful of elastomers available on the Origin one, and I believe there's more than that on the Carbon system. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd say about a handful. What are the what benefits? is a handful? Five. Yeah. <laughs> what are Five? the benefits of? Uh, of a printed helmet insert. Well, just off the cuff. Off the I'm cuff. putting you on the spot. Okay. Um, you you could do variable densities, so you could put Gosh, more good, more or less padding. In Gosh, you're areas. good. Is, you, you ready for this? On almost every team are testing out a brand new type of helmet. This is One four years old. The help oh, okay. 3D printing. This is all about what's under the shell. It's called the Riddell Speedflex Precision Diamond. It's all about advanced protection for the athlete, uh, being able to dissipate and absorb the energy on impact. Speaking is the Carbon co-founder. Okay. It's customized resin pads to go inside each player's helmet based on a scan of his head. These are the pads from my scan uh, that we printed individually and we'll send these over to Rydell and we'll assemble that into a final helmet and, and I'll get a chance to bang heads with others on the team. Soon, foam could be a thing of the past just like the soft leather helmets first used by the sport nearly a hundred years ago. And if this were foam, you'd have to have different kinds of foam and you have to put it together like a puzzle. Labor intensive and the energy doesn't couple well from one piece to the other. By having a combination product, this allows you to have better protection with properties that differ in different regions. And that's especially coupled to your, the shape of your head is exactly what's needed to advance protection. Yeah, it's interesting. So you could do basically custom sizing on a per person basis. You can not change. even sizing, but shape. Yeah. Think yeah, of Peyton yeah. Manning's big old melon. <laughs> Making a helmet to fit that dome. Yeah. Woo. What yeah, a I, challenge. I heard a story once of somebody who visited Nike and they saw all the foot molds of all of the different NBA players. Yeah. And how they had those basically plaster molds in house so that they could custom fit the shoes and whatnot. And the variation in, in feet. I mean, you can imagine like NBA players. They're are, big old boys. <laughs> they, they're not standard size human people, you know. Yeah. But anyway, 
So variable density, you could also do like nonlinear dampening potentially, you know, like so shock absorption, you could tune, which would be really yeah. interesting on a per position basis, maybe. I don't know. It actually, that's exactly what they do. So some of these are tuned to the position that the player mm. actually plays. And one of the cool things is the NFL, I, I mentioned this, releases a list of their top performing helmets throughout the year based on concussion data oh. and other things. Yeah. So um, where do these land? I found this pretty. These are always in the top. Uh, this year, the Riddell helmet was not number one. Didn't take mm -hmm. the number one spot or the, the, I believe the 2022 results just got released. Um, but these are always up there. Cool. So pretty cool that a 3D that printed cool. component is make, and not only that, like they say it's a lifetime product. So this could last a player's career, which hmm. some of these players get really attached to the helmet and brand that they pick just because of the way it fits, feels, whatever. Like, yeah, it's a comfort thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Imagine having a helmet that fits your head like a glove. Yeah. Especially if you got a funky shaped head like Peyton. I know, right? It's funny because as you watch this video, Peyton is showed in it a number of times and they actually talk about, <laughs> imagine like imagine how good he feels having a helmet that fits and it's like, we all know what the code is. Like he's got a big old head <laughs> oh and you guys have challenges so fitting it. That's so funny. Anyway. Very cool. That's a fun story. Yeah, so... There was some additive that got used and I believe like really, really cool by one of our competitors. Um, Carbon is helping Riddell. Yeah. Good make for them. These, these helmets that are reducing concussions. Yeah. Good for them. Uh, that DLP technology is really poised for applications like that. And interesting, you know, you have DM desktop metal with their foam material. Maybe there is an even greater benefit somewhere hidden there. You know what I mean? Yes. Now, speaking of, of <laughs> you brought up desktop metal uh -huh. and, you know, sometimes uh, we we like to to poke fun at, at them. I believe there has been some drama, but not with them. Not DM, but stock related But it reminded drama. me of, oh yeah, yeah? We, can you, well, can you give us a quick update? Because you're more in tune with this here. than I am. I have oh, some notes, yes. but just like DM is a good segue because over the past couple of years, them alongside some other OEMs have like just had a lot of investor uh, relationship drama, I mm -hmm. would say, something like that. <laughs> okay. And uh, there was an episode not too far back where we'd be talking about nano dimension and the potential of like that hostile takeover. Yes. As they purchased the hostile takeover of Stratasys. They purchased 12% ish of outstanding Stratasys shares, stocks, et cetera. And we were talking about, um, you know, what's the value of Nano Dimension as a company? It was trading at that time at like their market cap was like 50% of their cash on hand, which was really interesting, right? It would be my, me like saying- I don't know. You tell me. You're well, the, you're the, imagine you're the guy. It, okay. So imagine I learned that in your wallet, you have $100 mm -hmm. and I offer to buy your wallet for $50 because I'm, that's essentially what this was. So- I love it when you talk dumb to me. It's it's almost a play like, hey, I think I can do more with your money than, uh, or I I think I could do more with your money than I think you can do more with your money. So why don't you just hand it over to me? That sort of thing. <laughs> For half price. That's basically what investors are telling Nano Dimension. If you're looking at the value of the company and they have $1.2 or $1.0 billion cash, and investors are saying, well, we think your company is worth 600-ish million dollars. That's kind of the same message that they're talking about. So since December up until literally today, there was news today about this, all this drama. So I, I had to write some notes because it's like, this is hard to keep track of. So you have this situation where the largest shareholder of Nano Dimension stock is this hedge fund called Merchantson. And they own about 5% uh, shares, okay? Um, I'm trying to decide how, how much of this timeline do I want to follow because there's some, there's some interesting developments that are not broadly shared within all of the news media But you've around pieced this. it together. I've kind of pieced a couple things together. Okay. So I'm That's gonna, what I want to know. I'm going to skip some of that 
and just talk about how it's being reported. So you have Merchantson basically going to Nano Dimension in September of last year and offering to buy out the company. They offer them like almost a billion, just shy of a billion dollars, $995 million to buy the company. And the company's like, well, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to do that because we have more cash in the bank than that offer. Plus, we have our portfolio of technologies and our customers and things like that. So, no, we're not going to do that. Then comes their Q3 earnings call on December 1st. And they're like, hey, this is our revenue. These are our losses, whatever. And it was not, it was not good. So, their Q3 revenue was like $10 million. They had a net operating loss of about $67 million, which was kind of unusual and out of left field. And that obviously didn't bring investors a lot of joy because over the prior year, they had been buying companies and basically buying inor inorganic growth. They're buying revenue. Yeah. So companies like um, Admitech, um, Global Inkjet something or other, like they basically <laughs> bought companies. Let's see my notes. Uh, <laughs> Nanofabrica, that's, that's the one I was looking at. If you look at the revenue of these companies that they purchased, they were each like 10-ish million dollars a year. So in total, it averaged, it, it, com it, it sums up to about $55 million a year. So you buy these companies, you would expect them to at least achieve that, mm -hmm. hopefully more if you're a shareholder. But their prior quarterly earnings were like 10 million, 11 million, and their losses were going up too. So they were actually underperforming just by the nature of buying these companies, integrating them, the performance was not even hitting what the expectations were. So there's this undertone of like, hey, where's the company going? What are they doing? How are they allocating their resources and their capital? As a shareholder, you're looking like that pretty concerned, especially if you bought a year or more prior, your total investment is down two thirds or more, you know? So this shareholder, Merchantson is like, hey, uh, we want to organize a special meeting, a special shareholder meeting. And in this meeting, we want to put it up to vote the status of some of these board members, including the CEO, uh, and who's also chairman of the board, Yoav. They're trying Stern. to commandeer the ship. Well, that's what Nano Dimension's coming back and saying. So there were these like competing it's press releases. Merchantson puts out a press release. We're like, saying, hey, they're underperforming, blah, 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 blah. We don't think that they're the right steward of this fund, billion dollar plus fund. And Nano Dimension's coming out and saying, these guys are shady. Like they're using this, they're using pretty strong verbiage for press releases. Mm -hmm. I, I think I kind of attribute that to like the Israeli aspect of this. They're Israeli groups and we know like they're just aggressive. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's okay. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And there, uh, there's some, there could be some communication, some translation. Well, I'm not saying that I'm just saying like their way of doing business is tends to be fairly aggressive. We're kind of stereotyping yeah. there, but it's just, and that's kind of what it is. So they're like, they're being, they're shady. They have these past unlawful, uh, run-ins with the sec. They've been fined in the past. So they're bringing to light. They're bringing to light past some transgressions, some past stuff that's entirely unrelated, mm -hmm. but kind of they're trying to paint a picture, paint a picture. Yeah, these are pirates. These guys had I been keep, found I keep making guilty of like uh, some things that and they ended up being fined like nine million, eight to nine million dollars. Um, pennies, pennies in that world. <laughs> yeah, you have you have to wonder, right? But uh, one of the other things. So that's that's kind of where we're at. And and so. They called a special meeting. Nano Dimension said, you can't do that. It's illegal. Like, well, you can't have just a special meeting of shareholders. That's illegal. And we're not going to hold a special meeting. So you're not going to get a meeting. And then just re yesterday, Merchantson scheduled a meeting. They filed some paperwork that with the SEC. They scheduled a meeting for March 20th. They spun up a website called SaveNanoDimension.com. Where if you're a shareholder, you can go in and get your voting card to vote for uh, a few different things, like some changes to the articles of incorporation. These votes essentially mean nothing, though, right? I mean, these votes are 
signal of how the shareholders feel, but they can't actually make anything happen. Well, they have to change the rules and do the vote at the same time. So my understanding of the rules that Nano Dimension has, because every corporation has these rules of governance, and their rules currently state that shareholders can't vote out board members without like a supermajority. And it can only happen on this mm. yearly annual meeting. And so they're trying to change the rules so that it's, one, it's just a simple majority. And two, they're trying to change the rules to where shareholders can in uh, place board members, um, directors, like they can play, they can fill vacancies if there is a vacancy. So there's some rule changes and on the same vote card as like also name by name, oh my some gosh. of these four directors that they wanted displace and then they have two what they call independent directors that they want to place on the board so they're basically their argument is we think that this company has some issues and we have a vested interest in them you got to imagine their way in the hole and uh, we want to write things and then nano dimension is like no you can't do that but there's some other things so in the december meeting shareholders meeting there but were wait there's more. So this is the part that's not broadly um, advertised. And I think it also puts some color on this whole disagreement in whose favor. I'm not sure. So in the Jan in the December meeting, so just recently, they nano dimension put to vote to their shareholders a few different things. And one of those was to reduce the exercising price of Yoav's shares. So Yoav has these shares that he can't exercise until the price hits $6.16, which right now it's much lower than that. So these shares don't really exist. What they put up to a vote is change the exercising price down to $2.46, which happened to be the price at the time that they proposed it. So essentially, instantly turning him into the largest shareholder of the company. Instantly, he'd be able to exercise those shares and he would own about 10% of the company, which he would be the number one shareholder. He would be the controlling interest and to what benefit. So shareholders said no, they rejected that. But that is an attempt to probably control more of the company, right? They also asked to mm -hmm. disperse more shares from 500 million to 800 million and the idea being that perhaps they could have some additional shares to go out and negotiate with when they're out there trying to um, purchase more companies. But on the other hand, if you don't trust the leadership, then you think, well, they could you also use those shares to give out to employees who are close to the leadership and kind of entrench the leadership. So make the re leadership more resilient and more autonomous. That's the kind of other side of that shareholders rejected that one as well and i can't remember what the third one was but overall three three oh for three oh for three so that provides a little bit of additional color to the whole situation you have one side saying we don't think that you're doing a great job and we think that you're uh trying to protect yourself and try to make it harder and you're less accountable accountability to the shareholders. And then you have the other side saying, nope, nope, we're good. We've done this, 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 et cetera. So a lot of drama. What a mess. The 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 meeting was scheduled yesterday. And then just this morning, Nano Dimension put out another press release saying this is unlawful. You can't do this. Also, they repointed to some of the legal issues that they had in the past, like 2019-ish. But they also mentioned that Merchants is being sued like currently, right now, for some other issues. So I don't know what to think. I don't know what mm. to think. And they say it's illegal. I actually don't know if it's illegal. I went to the SEC and I was trying to figure out what are the requirements to hold a special meeting, like a shareholders requested meeting. And it said that you would have to have at least 10% of vote carrying shareholders agree to the meeting, which I don't know how you prove that. Merch Merchantson doesn't have it on their own. So I don't know. I don't know if it's legal or not. Hmm. So it's interesting. One thing I can There's take, a lot of drama. You're you like know, in the chess aspect of this. I know. This. A lot of my one of the big takeaways though is like, where where's the discussion around the technology? You know, like if you're a 3D printing company and you're you're a leader of 
in 3D printing, like where's the discussion around the technology? It's not there. It's all, it's all investor related, share related. Well, I mean, if you're thinking of a takeover, maybe there is some technology stuff that would come like, yeah, maybe, maybe that follows. Oh, by the way, remember when, uh, Stratasys put together a poison pill, Mm -hmm. uh, shareholders agreement, whatever shareholders rights things in response to nano dimension. Right now it's happening. Nano dimension in January. So last month did the same thing. They basically put out a shareholders bill of rights and it was essentially a poison pill at that 10% level. So they had one done to protect from them. And then they had one done to protect themselves. So just a little bit of hypocrisy there, but it's kind of fun to watch. The irony. I know. I love it. I don't love it. It is a game of chess. I I mean, it's big money for the people who are invested. They don't care. I mean, they want to make money. They care. Well, they do care in the sense that they, they want to make money. They want to make money, which only happens if the company is successful. I think a lot of people, you know, and I'm basing this on no facts whatsoever, just my observation around the office of those who do invest in tech companies. I think so many people, they don't really care to get to know the tech. They just assume like, oh, yeah, this company, they're the best at this. Yeah. Or that company, oh, yeah, they've got this novel idea that surface level uh, research. Yeah. The extent of what I bet many investors in nano know, oh, it's this really cool 3D printing company. Maybe. And you know what? I would, in the past, I would disagree with you. I would say like, that's what you call a retail investor. That's like a, an everyday person just buying the stock because they heard about it. And institutional investors would be different. But over the past three years, we learned that institutional investors were not doing due diligence at all in not just 3D printing companies, like every company out there, they're throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at these companies that had basically nothing. So according to us, no, according According to us, no, according to like, no hmm. one, no one reports this stuff. No one, no one has the guts to come out and say, listen, this company has nothing. Like no one well, ever says that about maybe, a 3D printing but we, company. We have seen, we have seen some media around Theranos, for example, mm-hmm. WeWork, for example, Nikola, for example. So mm. there, there are some instances. It's not till it blows up though. That's true. It's not till it blows up. It's it, as long as it's trading and things are good, like they have the technology. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It, it's just my opinion, whatever. But the, yeah, that's some heavy drama. So we'll see. You March March twentieth is is the date of this meeting. If it happens, <laughs> if it happens, if it happens, well, you'll hear it here first. We may have to buy a plane ticket to Israel. Oh my and gosh! Go shut this up. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we're not shareholders, so we would both have to make our first investments. Yeah, we'd have to buy. We'd have to we'd have to come up with $2.60 and buy a, a share. Don't, don't talk like that. That's what it would cost to become I know. a shareholder. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's, t- that's a totally objective statement. It is. But I know how you meant it. You slick willy. No, I didn't. Yeah, you no, did. No, I didn't. Okay, whatever. Of course. Let Tyler. it be known. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. Let it be known. Plausible deniability at all times. Tyler, you're so good. You're so good. All right. Well, with the drama aside, I actually have an interesting YouTube of the day. Okay. If you're ready to get yeah, to it. Sure. You got anything else? No. This has been a jam-packed episode. How how far into it are we? We're a little over, you know, close to 40 minutes. Oh, okay. You know, we're doing pretty good. Hey. I feel like this has had a, a high information density. I hope so. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Um, okay, so here we go. Me, to dumb things down. Uh, YouTube of the day, I've got a real good one from one of my favorite YouTube channels. We've actually done uh, YouTube of the day on these folks Can we before. have a repeat? Is that allowed? It is in this case. Okay. So it better be special. This is the gold standard in YouTube content. We both, I think, agree on this. It's Donut Media. Oh, yeah. They're so good. They're so good. Did they do another printing episode? This is the printing episode from about, what, four months ago. So you've seen this. We didn't didn't cover this. Okay. We never did. I may not have seen it. This is, so the title of the, the video is called We Test $300 
versus $300,000 printer, okay. 3D printer. I, I didn't watch this. And I love it. I love this whole episode because so many of the topics that we cover on a day-to-day basis with customers, hey, you know, I've had this this desktop 3D printer, it's done fine. Yeah. What's the difference between this and what you guys have? Yeah. So many of the answers to the questions, so many of the questions are in this. It's a 17-minute video. This I love and hate when these guys do this content because it's great, but they do it better than us. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I hate. They're, <laughs> dude, they're the best at it. And they they're have so like, good. They have multiple channels. I'm going to play the first one. And they bit. have a it's team. They did get some hate for this because the within the first six seconds uh-huh. they show the most expensive machine they test yeah and it's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and the title of the video is three hundred thousand yeah. so there were some comments on that like, well you know when you have uh you know two years of maintenance and uh an order of material and consumables they should have said that they should have said that so they start with the well here we go Sorry, I listened. Why is that playing so fast? Because I listen to uh, a lot of YouTube videos on 2x. What's wrong with speed. you? You don't ever do that? No. Saves time. I'm in of time. there for leisure. This is leisure, and I can get more videos in one day if I watch them. What two does times all that money speed. really get you? And how much do you really need to spend if you want to 3D print your own car parts? Well, today we're gonna find out. I'm Jeremiah. I'm Nolan. Welcome to Donut. This is the Ridge Wallet and their sponsor. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna play their advertisements. It's like <laughs> yeah. advertisement inception. Um, Although if we get paid on it, then maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> we won't be getting any checks in the mail. So here's what they do. They they I think they've got four machines. They have a Creality uh, 3D printer desktop. That's their first one. That's their $300 printer. They have a $7,000 printer that is um, oh gosh. Uh, it's white, it's enclosed, it has an enclosure. Let's see, here we are, right? Ultimaker, it's an Ultimaker. Okay. I should have known, should have remembered that $7,000 Ultimaker? It's, it looks older. It looks, it looks a lot older. It's a good this? beat. This is a $7,000 Ultimaker S5. S5. Ooh, it's S5. got two spools here, so we can do. So they talk a little bit about the dual extrusion on that one. Okay. Um, the best part about, well, I'll, I'll finish my overview real quick. The third printer is an SLS, or sorry, a Stratasys 450MC. Okay. So they do have a Stratasys so system in that's there. that's ballpark. What's the cost on that ballpark? 150K. Okay. Um, and then I think they say it's like 180 in this particular episode. Okay. And then they have an SLS machine um, to finish things off. And that's that 250. And that's the $250,000 printer. Okay. So, Mostly FDM systems that they talk about. There are some shots and some images and maybe a little discussion about some of the uh, the liquid yeah. Interesting. stuff. Pitching, pitching different technologies against each other. Not the most fair. But for uh, the most part, comparison. that's what I'm trying to say. For the most this part, is this episode is apples to apples. And what I love about it is it does, at least from my perspective, encapsulate the experience of the user. Within the first couple minutes, they're trying to print parts on that Creality 3D printer. It fails three times mm-hmm. um, before they even get a quality print mm-hmm. off of it. Uh, the, and this is my highlights of the video. Go ahead and watch it. But they then they print on the $7,000 system. They compare the two models. They look pretty similar. So from the model perspective, things don't look all that great. Then they jump to the Fortis 450. They print the same part in just plain white, it actually doesn't look any better. Okay. And so it proves the point that, hey, this isn't about print resolution, um, not in terms of what people think, re- sure. quote unquote, resolution. Sure. A lot of times people It's not think, just the appearance of the part. Exactly. <clears throat> and they discuss, this is about reliability. He's like, if I want to print a thousand of these, this machine can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, versus that first machine, can you imagine printing a thousand on those? This brief overview of these print technologies does a pretty good job, I think, of showing the user experience and the result that you get off the machine. Now, we could dive way deeper into it, but um, I actually thought this was a fun one. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I'm going to have to watch it. So what's, can you spoil it? Because I may not watch it. Can you just spoil the findings at the end? 
How do they compare? They actually just were pretty positive about everything. Everything. Yeah. Th- for them, it's about what can I print and put in my car? Yeah. Uh, which there is some material discussion, you know, in the very beginning on the Creality, he talks about some of the low end plastics. He's like, you don't want these, any of these under hood. You don't want any of these anywhere there's heat. You know, he kind of explained these are the limitations of yeah. these materials. And then as they move to the Forta system, he starts talking about this could be a production part. This and could they actually be white. functional. Do you know what it was? It was, was it pure white? It looked like ASA. On their, white, on their little emblem. It's ASA or PC, polycarbonate. Mm-hmm. It looked uh, it looked like ASA to me. It kind of okay. had that ivory look to it. But Ultim would have been my choice if I'm and doing a they have an, In fact, they have the Victrex material. Oh, do they? Really? On this episode, which was really? four months ago. So That's cool. Yeah, the company. Yeah. And for those of you that. who aren't familiar, uh, the Fortis 450 just, they opened the platform up to some quote unquote, validated materials. So mm-hmm. Stratasys did the homework. They validated some outside materials to be printable on what was a closed system, the Fortis 450. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. It's it's a game changer for the, sure. The Victrex is a peck material or peak, peak, actually. It's a peak material with a soluble support, yeah, which is really, really cool. cool. So what material did they use on the SLS machine? Uh, I know? think it was nylon. I want to okay. say it was nylon. Was it a filled nylon? They didn't even really show the nylon part. Yeah. Um, they showed some other nylon parts. They they step on some things. They show how it works. They showed the powder. And did um, they did they go on site and one company printed all these or these were different companies? They actually had the someone else come on site with their in their facility with the Creality system. Okay. And then they did field trips for the other systems. Okay. Um, Moonshot was the company that owned the the heavy systems. Okay. Both, so, both the SLS and the FDM, the SLS and the Stratasys machine. Interesting. Which actually is a good example. And if you look at their 3d print lab, you'll see lots of different technologies yeah, in there totally. and different brands. There's a reason. Yes. You do not have to be brand loyal as an additive manufacturer. You can, these technologies definitely are, well suited for certain applications. And if you have a multitude of applications and your company needs the best in every one, it might require different machines and going outside of a a certain brand. It might, it might, Uh, especially once you bring SLS into the fold. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I really like this video I don't know that there's any other like it. And this is mainstream. This got, 1.6 1.6 million views. So nice. we talked about nice. last you know how many episode. podcast episodes we'd have to film to get <laughs> 1.6 cumulative views. Oh my God. It'd have to be a lot. But the thing is, is like this had a, a good reach. It covered yeah. various brands. It wasn't brand specific. No yeah. one that I know of really like backed this other than maybe Moonshot. Um, nobody paid to get their printer in there. As far as you can tell, it seems very sure. organic and sure. it seems like they covered both ends of the spectrum really well. And, uh, it's not comprehensive, but I think it's good to educate the public. Yeah. That's a solid, a uh, that's a solid pick for sure. Not to that's mention that could be someone's first exposure to industrial 3d yeah. printing. Thanks to them. It, it is guaranteed for many people guaranteed for many people. That's cool. They also introduced the world to topological optimization. Oh yeah, do you remember they that? They don't. They don't always say everything right. <laughs> but what do you expect? I'd, I, I'm not going to fault them because, yeah. like I said, I have mad respect for them because they do what we try to do, and they do it better. So at a high level, yeah, they're so good, so good. Their YouTube content's on point. But that's all I have today. I feel like we did. Yeah, had a lot of information. You got a YouTube? No. No, I, I watched wow. a YouTube video last week wow. that my wife and I were watching it and I, we were totally fascinated by this. It's uh, dry ice blasting. Have you seen this? Oh, yes. It's kind of like soda blasting. It's like soda blasting. But there's no... But there's no... It's water. Soda. It's just vapor. Yeah. So they'll do like under car cleaning, undercarriage cleaning, for example. It's and just it, mesmerizing. It is mesmerizing. I, I think it's that. cooler than the laser stuff because, I don't know. Because it's you could buy one. Potentially the, the equipment looked really expensive. My buddy was saying that they have like DIY kits that you can for do. dry ice blasting. Mm-hmm. I know they have kits like for soda blasting. Yeah. I've on, tried, I've done soda blasting 
on your power washer? Um, no. With air? No, with yeah, just with air, no water. So they they make kits now. I've seen quite a few for sale that you can hook onto your pressure mm. washer. I've done sandblasting with my pressure so it's, washer. It's dustless blasting. Yeah, it's interesting. The dry very, stuff was very cool. useful. It's not, it's not worthy of YouTube of the day, but it was pretty cool. Cause no 3d printing related things. It doesn't not have yet. to be. We've, not we've yet. talked about this. That's not a requirement. Um, but yeah, good episode. Yep. We've, we've given <laughs> you a solid 50 minutes of our lives. Again, we appreciate all the print heads out there, by the way, um, circus Brown is out there in the open as the CEO of Juicy Filaments. Oh, yeah. I noticed on their webpage. Oh, yeah. JuicyFilaments.com. It's real. It's I real. heard they, they hired have, some people. They got merch. I don't... I think old Circus Brown's up to some, some trickery because those people are not real yeah. people. They're like the Getty <laughs> Images people that you like... You don't even need to do that anymore. You go to like thispersondoesntexist.com and you can just generate AI faces. Well pretty wild i wonder if he did that because probably he's pretty technologically advanced so maybe yeah so juicy filaments uh they had a super bowl ad that <laughs> aired on twitter <laughs> so at the same time as the super bowl yeah so i don't have a juicy filament fresh ad for you today <laughs> but i do know that there is merch available i've seen people walking around with it i've seen it unbelievable um, i saw I got, a t-shirt yesterday i got him to put in the store a uh, juicy filaments tracksuit Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you have some influence over the product. Yeah. You just ask him, can you make this? And he puts it on the website. All right. And then maybe you buy it. So there's merch available. We don't make a dime from it. Uh, I don't really know where the proceeds go to, but juice, maybe, <laughs> maybe juicy filaments puts it all straight into R and D to actually make some of these, maybe these juicy filaments. It may happen one day. Now that we can run open materials on that 450, maybe we'll run some juicy filaments through there. All right. Well, thanks uh, to the loyal print heads and welcome to the show. And we'll talk to you next time. You yep. got any last words for everybody? Nope. Share the show if you enjoy it and let us know. Thanks. <laughs> S <laughs> simple man. Adios.